0: He
1: scored. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
0: You have 47 new voicemails.
1: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Very, very fired up that this gentleman is going to join us because he truly has lived a charmed basketball life. You know him from his days coaching at Seton Hall coached in the Portland Trailblazers did a fantastic job with the Brooklyn Nets when he was there for a half season now you see him all over the place doing NBA doing college basketball Man of many talents let's welcome in the very outstanding and the terrific basketball effort PJ Carlissimo who joins us PJ it's John Jastrzemski how you doing my friend
0: excellent Jay how are you doing
1: PJ, we're surviving here in New York City, my friend. I mean, really, it's the best way to look at it. So I guess this is where we begin for you in this month of not having NBA basketball, not having the NCAA tournament. How's your month in lockdown been?
0: Well, it's uh, been—you know—it's been good from one standpoint, getting a chance uh, to spend a lot of time with the family, uh, which is nice. We've had more uh, dinners. Our uh, two sons—we got an older guy's a, a junior at Seattle Prep, and then a. Other guys in eighth grade are going to be at prep next year. So we've had a chance to spend uh, a ton of time together from that aspect, which is good. But uh, we're in Seattle, you're in New York. We've kind of been the two uh, hot spots for a long time. Uh, Hopefully Seattle is uh, getting a little ahead of it right now. We kind of started a week or so ahead of everybody. But the kids have been out of school for a couple weeks. Uh, They've been doing a good job with the – the online teaching, both their schools fortunately are, are were really prepared for that, and have done a good job but i mean they're they 're going a little crazy, they get to uh, shoot out in the back, but it's not uh, it's, it's not quite the same and selfishly for me, it was my favorite four weeks of the year. I had a game uh, March tenth I think it was Dallas at San Antonio uh, Pop and I went out to dinner after the game. Good win for the Spurs. We went out to dinner after the game, and I flew to Las Vegas the next day, planning on doing. Pac 12 tournament for Westwood 1 starting three weeks of college where I would be doing the entire NCAA tournament and with a couple of NBA games stuck in there on Mondays or Tuesdays. And I went from uh, my busiest uh, and one of my favorite uh, times of the year, four weeks, to uh, being home. Uh, So it's, you know, like everybody else, you got to deal with it. I think uh, I'm enjoying it. I think my wife's ready to, uh, you know, ship me on the road for sure. But um, other than that, it's been. Trying to, you know, trying to stay ahead of it, uh, spending a lot of time at home, (laughs) clean the house and do some cooking and uh, do what everybody else is doing right now, trying to get out from under this.
1: Well, PJ, I can tell you, as a guy who's doing radio shows from his apartment in Brooklyn, New York, I I think my girlfriend is dying for the day where I can get back into his studio and I'm not waking up the entire neighborhood because you know it. In Brooklyn, we project quite well, my friend. So, you know our neighbors, when they hear me yelling and screaming about God knows what at 4 and 5 in the morning on WFAN, they're counting down that day, too. But, Coach, you know, your name was in the news a lot because of the year that Kevin Willard was having at Seton Hall. And I think about all these seniors, you know, Peyton Pritchard at Oregon, Miles Powell at Seton Hall. You look forward, you build up to playing in an NCAA tournament. And to not have that opportunity, I understand there are bigger things going on in the world, so we all get that. But my heart breaks for those kids because they busted their butts. I thought it'd be their time. I thought it'd be their moment. So following along out on the West Coast, it must have given you, you know, some feelings of nostalgia looking at what Seton Hall was able to do this year.
0: Well, I, you know, it, it did for sure. I, I mean, I stay very closely in touch with with Kevin and the program. I mean, uh, Kevin's been a good friend for a long time, and he's been very kind to, you know, let me stay involved. And I get to visit, I get to see usually a couple games a year. And obviously, I followed them on television. But uh, it, it really hurts because I, I think they had a legitimate chance to win a national championship. I think this year was one of those years when probably more teams than in a normal year uh, actually had a, a realistic chance. And, you know, we all say that. You all put your hands in and say, hey, we're going to win the, the, the whole thing. But uh, most years it's three or four, sometimes five teams that have a chance. I thought there were at least ten this year that, that were viable. Uh, and I'm not so sure that if you gave me ten, I would have had the national champion. It, it's been, it was going to be that open. Uh, and the Hall was certainly one of those. Uh, they're excellent defensively. They had one of the best players in the in the country, in, in Powell, who you, you know you mentioned. They had bigs. I mean, they were good on both ends of the floor. They defended. They could score. Uh, they had bigs who could protect the basket and also score. Uh, and they had a great player. When you have guards, I mean, I, their backcourt I thought was excellent. Uh, you know, you, they took good care of the ball and they could score. Uh, guards particularly – uh, in March and April, when it comes to Big East tournament and then the three weeks of the NCAA, guards are, are a very rare, rare, rare commodity. And I, they had them. Uh, the Hall had them. I was really looking forward to watching them. As it, I don't know if I would have had them. I was going to be in Houston, Excuse me in uh, Sacramento the first week, and then Houston for the regional, but. Uh, You know, I I was telling Kevin, if I didn't hook up with them first round or second round, I'd meet them in Atlanta. So uh, it's too bad. And, and, you know, people ask us all the time uh, about what it was like that the, particularly the final four run in 89, when we got to the championship game. And, you know, you say it, I've said it, I can't tell you how many times I've said it. Uh, We call it a once in a lifetime experience. And as you said, Um, the opportunity for that experience is gone for the seniors. And it's really gone for the entire team only because that team won't be back. You know I mean? It's a team thing. Uh, And that, to me, was the saddest thing, almost as sad as losing to Michigan uh, in a championship game. Uh, I I remember vividly in that locker room at the Kingdome, which has since been knocked down here in Seattle, but kind of walking out of the locker room and, and realizing we weren't going to practice together again. We weren't going to play a game again. Yeah, we were going to be together. There were going to be dinners and parades and a lot of great things that happened. But we would never get a chance to be together as a basketball team again. And that's what these guys missed. And there's just there's no way of replicating that. And there's no, they're not going to get it back. Yeah. Good news for the young guys. They'll get another chance. But they won't get a chance with this team. And this team was a very special team that Kevin Willard had That's eaten Hall. PJ, for
1: your sake and my sake, thank God the Kingdome is gone. Because I, I think at that place, the Yankees losing there for years. House of Horrors. Uh, that's I love Safeco Field. Seattle's a great city. I am so glad I will never see an event in the Kingdome ever, ever again. Please. I got
0: mixed feelings. You know, John, we uh, we got beaten a championship game by one point. But, we, you know, we beat Duke in the semi. Uh, and then two years later, a lot of people forget, 91, we were back here in Seattle in the regional, West Regional. We beat Arizona in the round of 16, and undefeated Vegas, the Vegas team that was the defending national champ, and they were I think 31 and 0, beat us in the Elite Eight uh, to go to the uh, Final Four, and then Duke beat them. Duke upset them. Uh, they had beaten Duke the year before. But the following year, the undefeated team, we played them in the Kingdom also. So we were 2-2 two two in the Kingdom. I can't complain. I mean, if it, if it's a, an Elite Eight and a Final Four championship game, uh, it was a good building. But I, I'm with you. I, I love uh, going downtown uh, safe. I guess it's T-Mobile now. And, Uh, CenturyLink, Quest is CenturyLink. I can't even keep track of the names. I was going to say, go luck with
1: the sponsors, coach. I mean, go uh, luck. The Dolphins do do it every other year with their stadium. So the fact that you know them, I I give you some credit. That's why you're a very, very good resident of your town. And that's why you're making the rounds representing the Pacific Northwest. I got to ask you this question because you're a guy who's had great success in college and you've done a terrific job in the NBA leading the team. Obviously, both experiences are very, very different. What did you enjoy more, the idea of being a college coach or the idea of being an NBA coach? Uh,
0: I, it's a cop out I, I, I love both of them. I mean, I, I coached in college for 23 years, and I, honestly, I don't think I spent five minutes of those 23 years thinking about coaching in the NBA. It wasn't something that I really had in mind, and yeah, maybe it could have happened at some point later in my career, you know, with the, you got two teams, the Knicks and the Nets right there, maybe, you know, down the line it was going to happen, it was just, it was very unusual, Uh, Brad Greenberg was the acting general manager after they had let uh, Rick Adelman go in Portland, and I, I think looking back, Paul Allen had in mind the late owner, great owner, by the way, also Seahawk owner, um, the Blazers owner. I think he had in mind he wanted to change it up. He wanted a college guy. And um, Brad called me up and said, why don't you come out and interview? And, you know, I I talked to Larry Keating, our athletic director, and and the fact that it was Portland, Mark Bryant was already here, one of our players. Uh, I'd been with Nike for a lot of years, and I went out not really – being serious about it, to be honest with you. But it was like, oh, just, you know, it's a good experience. Let's interview for an MBA job. And, uh, you know, something you check off, maybe it'll come back years later. And in the middle of the interview, Paul offered me the job. And it literally was that sudden. Um, and I loved every day in the MBA, also. So uh, if you made me pick one, I'd pick MBA. There's a lot of things I miss from college, uh, the experience dealing with the players and their families, particularly in those days. You had, you were, you had players for three, four years. They graduated, and it was, you know, it was really special. Some of those guys you knew from their, like, freshman or sophomore year in high school, so you really had a relationship with them. Um, coaching, being on a campus, particularly Seton Hall, uh, the fans we had, the support we enjoyed uh, back in those days in the Meadowlands was special. The NBA, what's good about the NBA is you're coaching the best players in the world. Uh, You're playing in the best buildings in the world. Uh, You're doing it in an absolute first-class way. I mean, everything's, uh, you know, a a charter, and and, uh, it it just doesn't get any better. If you like basketball, it's really the the epitome of basketball. So from a a standpoint of pure basketball, uh, I love the NBA. And that's the other thing. Uh, When you're coaching the NBA, you don't do anything else but basketball. Uh, I mean, you, it's your next practice, it's your next game, it's your next shoot-around. Um, there's no recruiting, there's no, uh, you know, getting your players to go to class and summer jobs and raising money for the school and, uh, you know, representing the university. Uh, it, it's literally, you're on the floor, whether it's at practice or game or shoot-around, that's all you do. So, uh, it's hard to beat the NBA, I think, from a purely basketball standpoint.
1: We have the terrific P.J. Carlissimo, the outstanding head coach at Seton Hall and uh, tremendous NBA career as a coach, as an assistant coach. He's great on TV, great on radio. I mean, I could listen to PJ talk basketball for hours. Coach, thankfully for your sake, you're not going to do that. But I do got to ask you about Duncan because you won three championships working with Greg Popovich. You got a firsthand look at what Tim Duncan brings to the table. And, you know, maybe it's his personality and, and maybe it's because Tim Duncan was never a guy that was demanding of the attention He is hands down one of the best players I've ever seen in my life. I think he's the best power forward in the history of the NBA. If there's one thing you'd like to share with the audience of, you know, a perspective and, you know, something you experienced being alongside Tim Duncan for all those years, what really stands out?
0: Well, I'll tell you, I, I agree with you, first of all. I, I, think he's, I think he is the best power forward to ever play the game. I mean, he's one of, i say five, at worst ten. You can't keep him out of the top ten of uh, players who, who, you know, played in the NBA and what they accomplished. It's funny because with all the games being replayed now, um, I, I did two specials last week, one for ESPN and one actually for uh, San Antonio Television, and the one that they watched game six of the '03 championship when we beat the Nets in Game Six at home, and the other one was Game Seven in '05 of the Pistons uh, when we also ended up being a home game, actually. Um, but it was it was interesting because I had you forget, forget a lot of things, uh, you know. As you get older, I'm approaching senility here, but uh, that '03 championship, watching the game. Um, it was it was unbelievable because it was David Robinson's last game and he went out. You know the absolute perfect way for a guy to go out. He had a tremendous second half, uh, played really well. Pop, as usual, did a great job it, going back. He, we finished the game with Stephen Jackson and Speedy Claxton playing the entire fourth quarter or close to it. Uh, Jack hit three big threes. Uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, and Speedy Claxton from, uh, from Hofstra, and an excellent guard, uh, played well. Pop had uh, TP on the bench, and he just stayed with the hot hand. We were down, I think it was nine points in the fourth quarter and went on a 19-0 run in the fourth quarter. Stephen Jackson, three of those uh, Stephen Jackson threes were in that run. But TD, all he did was go for 21 points, 20 rebounds, 10 assists, And they had him on the stat sheet, unfortunately, for eight blocks. Turned out he had ten when they redid the uh, watch the game after and and did it. They gave one to David and one to somebody else. But he had a quadruple-double in a game six clinching game. Obviously, he was the MVP of the playoffs. But, I mean, I'd forgotten just what an incredible – I think it's the best clinching game any individual ever had. Uh, And that was, you know, that was TD. You're right. He didn't want the attention. Uh, A lot of coaches, a lot of players say, I really don't want to do interviews. But as you know, J.J. from talking to us, uh, we'll talk all day and we're happy to do it. Um, Pop and Tim Duncan have one thing in common. They have a lot of things in common. But they got one thing in common. Neither one of them ever wanted to do an interview. If they never did an interview in their lives, they would have been delighted. And that was part of the thing with TD. He's a private person, in terms of letting the outside in but if you're a teammate or if you're lucky enough to have him on a, on a team uh what he is he's such as great a player we said it he's arguably uh, one of the best to ever play the game i don't think arguably and he's a better person and he's a better teammate than he, than he was a player uh, and he has a great sense of humor. So, like, you wouldn't know that if you weren't a Spur, um, if you weren't a teammate of his. If you talk to his teammates, that's what they talk about. The person, Tim Duncan, not the player. The player's ridiculous. Uh, you knew he was going to block a shot or make a play. He, he had a play in that game. He blocked a shot, and he didn't block him, like, out of bounds. Same way he played the same way he was, not fancy. He kind of blocked He tipped it up in the air, came down with it himself, dribbled down the court, and stopped and hit a top-of-the-key jump shot. He never did that. We were down five. We needed a bucket. He knocked it. To, he got it to three. Uh, I mean, he's just, he was that special a player. But honestly, uh, it's a cliche, but he's a better person. He was a better teammate.
1: And, coach, isn't it remarkable? They lose that 2013 championship, which they should have won. We know what happened in game six. You were exactly. doing the games at the time. Five point lead. I mean, you play that game 100 times with that situation. The Spurs are going to win 96 or 97. To come back, though, the following year, and you know this, your you're basketball life or your sports life or coach. For many teams, they don't get back to that point because they're broken mentally. How do they respond? Well, not only do the Spurs respond, Coach, they go and they win in five games and smoke the Miami Heat the following year. And I got to be honest with you, Coach, I don't know if they win that championship if they don't lose the following year. I mean, I had never seen anything like it from, like, a revenge tour standpoint, you know?
0: It, it fueled them, John. The entire year, that's what fueled them. They were so upset, TD in particular, because we, we I wasn't there then, but the Spurs went small because they knew that Miami needed to shoot a three. TD was on the bench. Boris Diaz was in, and people kind of forget about it. But they got two, they got back-to-back threes. LeBron hit one. Uh, Ray Allen hit the other. There were some free throws in between there, some missed free throws, some made free throws uh, by the Spurs. I think Manu went three for four, and Kawhi split a pair actually late that really hurt them, but um, they had two of their three-point shots, the one by LeBron and the one by Ray, were both off offensive rebounds, and TD wasn't on the floor. And, you know, like we, we you know, we t- he kids about it, but, he, you know, he said hey, that wouldn't have happened if I was on the floor. Uh, so, you know, they, they went for a defensive matchup where they could switch the pick and rolls outside and guard the three better. But they didn't come up with either. LeBron missed badly his first three. I, it barely, I don't know if it hit the rim, but they got, they came up with the rebound. I think it was Chris Bosh both times came up with the rebound and kicked it out. And then LeBron knocked the second one down. That was their first three, and then of course everybody remembers the Ray Allen one, but that was off a miss also, which people you know don't remember. Uh, so it was, uh, it, it's amazing. But the, the Spurs used that as fuel the entire time. The one thing they were never able to do was repeat. They won in '99 when uh, I think Tim was a rookie, first or second year. David was t- t- Tim and David
1: taking and down my Knicks. Talk about a mismatch of a series, PJ. Yeah, the Knicks exactly. with Patrick on the sideline. What could have been? They,
0: they played. They won it. No three. We won it. in three against Jersey. Couldn't repeat. We had the uh, Derek Fisher point four second shot the next year uh, for the Lakers to beat us in the. I can't remember whether it was the semis or the conference finals. I think it was the finals. And then uh, we won it. No five against Pistons. Oh six, we lose to Dallas in the semis. We're up three. The only way we can lose the game is if we foul. And unfortunately. Manu filed Dirk Nowitzki going to the basket. Dirk gets an and one, scores, puts the game in overtime, and they beat us in overtime. And then we won it again in '07 uh, against the Cavaliers, 4-0, a sweep. And didn't couldn't repeat the next year. They never, they were never able to repeat. So you know, I wouldn't disagree with you. If the Spurs had won in '13, which they they had game six, they would have won. You know, 4-2, uh, they would have won on Miami's court. I don't know that they would have. Uh, repeat it again but I'll tell you what that losing that game fueled them for like I think from the time they left Miami arena American Airlines arena after game seven I think that was all they thought about until they uh, clinched it the following year
1: coach in all your years of being in basketball it must have been surreal Being on that Dream Team staff. And listen, you see all those guys coming in. It's Jordan, it's Bird, it's Magic, it's Patrick, Barkley. That list goes on and on. Um, I can't wait to watch this last dance documentary, even though that Chicago team brought me nothing but pain and torture (laughs) as a guy who grew up rooting for Patrick Ewing, John Starks, and all those guys. But what, like, stands out to you in all those years, now thinking back of what you were a part of with that legendary group of players being together.
0: Well, that summer was, uh, you know, it's hard to say I ever had two months more special uh, than than that summer. We, uh, a week in La Jolla, we started at UC San Diego, practiced for a week there, uh, scrimmaged against a uh, really elite college team, you know, college all-star team, Penny Hardaway, Bob Hurley, Chris Weber. I mean, so many great players um, scrimmaged against them. That went to Portland, which a lot of people forget. We had to qualify because in '88 we had not won uh, the gold medal in Seoul. It was a different qualifying system in those days. So we had a, a qualifying tournament in the Americas in Portland. Played for a week in Portland uh, around Fourth of July, early July uh, in Portland, and uh, you know won all the games against the teams from the Americas to qualify. Uh, then we had a week in Monte Carlo um, to get ready. Uh, before we went to Barcelona, and then of course the two weeks or a little less than two weeks in barcelona the The most impressive thing to me was the professionalism of the players because it was a people forget it was a unique time. You had a couple of elements in play there. Uh, you had guys like Michael Jordan and Patrick and Chris Mullen, who you mentioned who had been on the eighty four team and had already won a gold medal. yet David Robinson who was on the eighty eight team uh, who had lost d- didn 't win a gold medal. And then you had a bunch of guys, uh, Charles Barkley and John Stockton, come to mind right away, who were like last cuts on a previous Olympic team, so never got a chance to play in the Olympics. And then you had Birdie and Magic and those other guys, because in those days it was, you know, when it was an Olympic year, if you happened to be in college at that point, it was your time to play. If you didn't, if it didn't match up, uh, the opportunity was gone. So that was the first time that they let the the professionals play, the NBA players play. We had to score to settle because we had not won in 88. And you had a lot of guys that just were licking their chops uh, to be a part of an Olympic experience. And they just bought into everything Chuck Daly asked them to do, and they were great. They, they practiced hard. They played hard. You go back and watch those games, I think the thing that will impress you the most was the defense and the passing, the unselfishness of anything, we overpassed. Uh, they, they just shared the ball. It was—it was unbelievable basketball to watch. Uh, how well they defended, how well they shared the ball, and how little they cared about who got points. Or, you know, uh, it was literally one of those things. Uh, you know, always after a game, whether it's college or NBA, when the, when the managers or the ball boy comes in and passes out the stat sheet, you'll see guys grab the stat sheet to see what they got, how many minutes they played, or how many points they got. I don't think a guy looked at the stat sheet the entire time that summer. Uh, all they cared about was the final score, and the final score was so one-sided uh, every time we played. And, uh, you know, it, it was good. It was really impressive to see that level of player not take anything for granted and practice as hard and play as hard as they did. And it was easy to understand. then. don't forget, I'm 92. I'm still at Seton Hall. It was easy to understand why these guys were the best players in the world. Because of you know how professional they were and how they didn't take any shortcuts, uh, they just they worked at their craft and it, it showed.
1: Coach, final one before you get you out of here, and you've been absolutely fantastic. If the NBA comes back, I know you're hoping for it. I'm clearly hoping for it. We have no idea what it could look like. No fans, neutral site, out in Vegas, Bahamas. I mean, every option has been discussed. But if they do come back, Lakers clear cut. Team to beat, I still look at the Clippers. You get Kawhi, who won finals MVP last year. Put him with Paul George. You got so many unique wing-type players. I would look at them as the team I'd be putting my money on. If there's an NBA season, who right now would be that
0: favorite, in your opinion, to be the best? Well, I think it'd be two, and I think it's the two that you know were dominating the league: the Bucks in the East and the Lakers in the West. And I was not on the Laker bandwagon early. I thought they'd be obviously they're going to be good with that with that talent, but I thought it'd take them a while to get it together. Uh, it did not. I mean, from day one, they were good. I didn't think they could defend the way they've defended. Their defense is so underrated. Frank Vogel's done a great job. Uh, LeBron has done a really good job in terms of being demanding of his teammates and the, the, if anything they're underrated defensively I don't think people realize just how good uh, the Lakers were playing defensively and uh, Mike Budenholzer for the second year in a row has the best team in the Eastern Conference and I think they would benefit from their playoff experience last year I think Giannis is a better player this year than he was last year um, I, I thought you know when they were playing I, the two of them if I was Bud or if I was Frank Vogel all I would have wanted to do is fast forward to the playoffs because they were, they were clear cut, the two best teams in the league. I know the Clippers needed to get their guys healthy and needed to get them to practice, but they weren't close to yet, in my opinion, playing at the level the Lakers were playing now. It's a startup. I still like those guys because of what they've accomplished and, you know, playing as many games as they played. But I got news for you. Uh, this isn't an all star break. This is a major uh, let's start all over. You got some guys who will be healthy um, who were not healthy in the regular season. I-, I just don't know. A lot's going to depend on how much time these teams get to practice, what kind of regular season. Uh, if, if Adam Silver uh, and, the, and the people in the NBA feel they're going to try and salvage some of the regular season or they're just going to go into the playoffs. So it's going to be a different animal. I still like the Lakers. I still like the Bucks, But uh, all bets are off, I think, because this is starting all over. And you know what it looks like in October and November when teams start up and they're not in basketball shape yet and you don't see the best from a lot of teams for a while. Um, I do like those two teams, but I think it's going to be wildly unpredictable.
1: P.J., unbelievable perspective. Really appreciate the time. And real quick, 10 seconds. You coached at Wagner College. I'm a Staten Island native. Favorite restaurant that you miss on your times being up at Grimes Hill? It's got to be one you miss, right? Roadhouse. Oh, the Roadhouse. Did you get the clam pie, PJ? Uh, you know, I,
0: I love the Roadhouse. I ate there four or five nights a week, and uh, it was great. Uh, the, the Andrea family was so good to us. And anytime I'm back, I still like to get over there. I, I love my six years uh, on Staten Island. I uh, really enjoyed it. PJ,
1: you're the best, man. Stay safe. Appreciate you coming on. Unbelievable perspective. And hopefully, before you know it, you're talking some basketball soon, all right?
0: All right, JJ. Thank you.
1: PJ, unbelievable stuff. Appreciate a couple minutes. <sighs>